WBNE. Hello. Hmm. Wow. Hello, and welcome to episode 83, all about Return of the King, theatrical edition, part five, being the 83rd part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I'm joined by TikTok's resident obscure Lord of the Rings facts guy, Don Marshall. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you for having me. Did I get did I get your very official title correct? <laughs> of all of the titles that I've ever had in my life in any sort of professional capacity, obscure Lord of the Rings guy is both my favorite and the one that I go, wait. Really? That's that's what I'm going for? <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, that is how we got connected originally. We were talking before we were recording how insane it is that like t- TikTok is just such a new yep. thing for me, at least, because we're, we're both uh, around the same age group. Mm-hmm. So it's just a... A, a random platform. <laughs> it of... really is. Like I, I'll, I'll, I'll give you just a, a brief idea of how insane this is for me. I made twelve videos in one day, all about the Lord of the Rings, and like not in like a gatekeeping way, just like a oh, I find this interesting. Maybe others will too. And suddenly, I woke up with you know ten thousand followers the next morning after I had gone to sleep at three a.m. and it was. Probably one of the crazier days of my life. <laughs> yeah, people people like Lord of the Rings still. It's crazy. Yeah. Crazy which to think. kind of blows my mind because here's a fun fact for you. Viggo Mortensen is now the same age that oh, Ian no. McKellen was when he played Gandalf. No, yeah. you're kidding. The movies came out 20 years ago and we've now caught up to the point where one of the- Yeah, yeah. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Well, and I also, um, Billy Boyd showed up on my For You page on the Cameo yep, account. Yep. Um, doing, you know, a little bit of Home is Behind. Mm-hmm. And then there was a follow up video that he did to a comment where someone was like, it's 2021 and Billy Boyd and Pippin is 52 years old. And I yep. was like, Billy Boyd is 52 years he old. sure is. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I, I think if I remember correctly, Dominic Monaghan, when they first started all of this, was 22 years old. And I just kind of look at my own life like, what was I doing when I was 22, living with my parents, looking for a job in my Yeah, in my Elijah Wood had just turned 19 when they oh my his 19th birthday was celebrated while they were filming at <laughs> one point which is so funny because everyone talks about how young orlando bloom was because mm-hmm. he got this job like two days after he graduated from acting school that's right that's right he did oh my goodness and so everyone's like oh my god orlando bloom was just a just a baby such a newbie yeah elijah would even though he had been acting you know he was a child actor for many many years he was not 19. Yeah, Crazy. yeah. And then um also I need to I need to bring up this is the first episode that I'm recording since I have learned the monumental news that Sir Ian McKellen is gay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which has somehow, somehow escaped my knowledge. So he's been out since 1988. He has. He is a very proud member of the gay community, and and I don't love understand it. how I didn't connect that final dot because I've definitely <laughs> seen pictures of him at Pride. Oh yeah, yeah. I've definitely seen him. Like I, I know he is an LGBT activist. I 
I have heard him make jokes about Gandalf the Gay. Yeah. And oh, my constantly. brain just never connected that final dot. There's but uh, a, here we are. There's two <laughs> great little uh, things that, that he has that stick out in my mind about him being in the LGBT community. I Very distinctly, I think there's a photo of him wearing a shirt at one of the pride parades that he's at that says something along the lines of, some dudes just want to marry dudes, deal with it. <laughs> I just think Amazing. that's wonderful. How how wonderful is it that the LGBT community has someone like Ian McKellen? Ian McKellen in their wheelhouse. I love it. Man, as much as I would love to just sit here and talk that's about another episode. Sir Ian McKellen. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we are here. Guys, this is it. This, this is, is the it. climax <laughs> of Return of the King of Lord of the Rings. I'm honored you would give this part to me because this is like, oh, it's such a good part of the movie. I was like, so here, so I have been trying to figure out for the lot when did I started covering the movies in October. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, who the heck do I have on <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm for honored. the climax where they destroyed the ring? I was like, Stephen Colbert? Like, <laughs> That's the dream. That's the dream. You know what? Here's, I'll make a deal with you. If either of us get Stephen Colbert's attention we direct them to oh yeah and I have this other partner who I'm working with and so okay cool okay good good we're on the same page perfect perfect yeah and so the thing that swayed me to be like okay I need to connect with this guy because at first I was like he does these very intense details in Lord of the Rings on TikTok and I don't know if he I don't know like what his sense of humor or anything is like (laughs) what swayed me to be like oh I think he would have fun I think we would have a fun time talking is your response to the (laughs) the ring butthole theory (laughs) oh no oh no you're gonna uh, and just the fact that you responded to that i was like okay cool he's game to have fun (laughs) can i make a disclaimer on that one really quickly (laughs) so i had to delete the original video because tiktok removed the audio from it you know i i understand why they did it but i have since re-uploaded it and it has still become one of my most popular videos again so i uploaded that with the full intention being all right i'll appease the people that tag Tagged me in it because I got tagged in it a lot, and I, I, I was like, I'll delete it in the morning. It'll be a fun joke. And then I woke up, and it was like, Hey, you've got two hundred thousand views, and also one of the guys from Victorious commented on it now <laughs> follows you. I'm like, Oh, this is how I'm gonna be famous on TikTok, is it? Oh my gosh, uh, <sighs> I should, I should add, it's really funny. I get tagged in a lot of Lord of the Rings TikToks. Nine times out of 10 in the comments, I will see that either you have already commented in there or someone has tagged you in it. I love being like a part of the Lord of the Rings community on here because this like this podcast is what I love about the fact that my childhood didn't have. I wanted Lord of the Rings like friends to talk about it with but all i had was my sister and my mom because that's how i got into this sorry i don't know if this is like one of actually your oh wait yeah that's no that's actually a question <laughs> i usually ask my guest and i totally forgot about it yeah tell me about how did you get into lord of the rings and um do you have any also since we're here talking about the movies do you have any specific memories associated with watching the movies so many so many so i first got started with the lord of the rings through person-to-person storytelling. My mom thought the books were a little bit too um, violent for me when I was really young. I think I was like nine or 10. So she read it chapter by chapter. And then the next morning at breakfast, she would tell 
my sister and I what happened in that chapter. And I was just enthralled with it. And so that happened literally for each book, every chapter. That's also probably way more exciting to experience and a much more enjoyable way to experience the books when you're young. Yeah. Because yeah. there's a lot of like dry, dense yeah. material yeah, there's, she, in between the exciting bits. She skipped a lot of the Tom Bombadil stuff. Not going to oh. lie. I went back and read the books when I was older. And the Tom Bombadil, I'm like, I don't remember her telling me any of this. But long story short, she told us every morning at breakfast. And I was like, oh, my God, this is a great story. I want to read these books. But the movies came out. And my mom was like, hey, I think you'll really like these movies. But I'm get, there's they're a little scary because I was like, I think I was 11 or 12 at the time. And she shows me the movies and she's like, hide your face during this part. One of them being uh, the the Bilbo scary face. I don't know if everyone Ooh, will yeah, remember that, but scare. Bilbo makes a pretty scary face. And I it's still etched into my mind because she said, look away. <laughs> and um, I, I didn't. I, I peeked <laughs> and I regret doing that. Yeah, I, I watched the movies and then she took me to see the Lord of the Rings in theaters. And I just loved the movie from then on. And then uh, in college, I uh, read the books after uh, I got dumped. I was in a relationship with my, my girlfriend at the time, and I broke up. And I said, hey, why don't I find a way to sort of fill the void? And uh, I caught all of the Pokemon at the time, all 692 or 621 of them. And I also... <laughs> I also went, you know, deep diving into the Tolkien universe. I read the books, uh, The Hobbit, the original trilogy. I read The Silmarillion. I read Unfinished Tales, the everything really that exists in this universe. That's awesome. And so I love that's such a like unique way of of getting into. Yeah, Lord it's of definitely the different than most people's story of like, yeah, I read the books. And I liked them. Mine is just so circuitous. Mine is I made a joke on Twitter and then I started a podcast. And that's how I'm here. <laughs> okay, yes. Yeah, so now I can say we are here to talk about the climax of Return of the King, Lord of the Rings. This is it, y'all. They destroyed the spoiler alert. The ring is destroyed in this episode. Hopefully, Ooh. unless I end up cutting it into two parts, I probably won't do that. Frodo wakes up in the Tower of Kirith Ungol and is blessedly not naked. Super conveniently, the orcs start killing each other, making it much easier for Sam to go save his lover and or best friend. The jury's still out on that one. Frodo despairs that he no longer has the ring and it's all over, but plot twist, Sam took it from Frodo before he got taken by the orcs. After briefly contemplating if he should use the ring to plant a bunch of gardens, Sam gives the ring back to Frodo. Frodo apologizes to Sam for treating him like trash and they make up for like the fourth time in this trilogy and the final act of this mission quest thing can continue as Frodo and Sam make their way toward Mount Doom. In Minas Tirith, Aragorn, Gandalf and company are trying to decide how they can best help Frodo. Never mind our friends that were injured in the Battle of Pelennor Fields or almost burned alive by their fathers, we just have to hope they make a full recovery. Aragorn comes up with a plan to distract Sauron at the Black Gates in order for Frodo and Sam to go unnoticed in Mordor. Certainty of death? Small chance of success? What are we waiting for? Off they go with the fearless half-ponytail Aragorn leading them. Arriving at the Black Gates like one hour later, despite the fact that it's at least a two-week's journey from Gondor, the Eye of Sauron diverts his attention away from Frodo and Sam as he focuses on the army planning to fight in the north. Aragorn rallies the troops with a much better speech than Theoden's and they charge into action for Frodo. Sam's there too you know. Speaking of which, Frodo is being dramatic AF as he and Sam travel to Mount Doom. He spills water everywhere, faints like a marionette puppet, and can't recall the taste of food, nor the sound of water, nor the touch of grass. A rush of energy surges through Sam, and just like Stanley and Zero in the movie Holes, Sam carries Frodo up the mountain to break Madame Zeroni's curse, I mean destroy the ring. But not if Gollum has anything to say about it. He tackles them, and while Sam and Gollum throw hands, Frodo stumbles into the crack of doom. At the Black Gates, Aragorn is fighting a troll that has a weird vendetta against him personally when the eagles decide they suddenly care and join the fight. Inside Mount Doom, Frodo is moments away from destroying the ring when he 
goes, f*** that, ruins everything and puts the ring on in the creepiest way possible. Gollum jumps in from out of nowhere and they fight until he bites off Frodo's finger, finally getting the ring for himself. At the end of his rope, Frodo lunges at Gollum and they both fall off the cliff. Gollum clutches his precious as he sinks into the fires of Mount Doom. Sam is a better friend than I am and grabs Frodo's stubby, bloody hand to pull him up from the cliff as the ring is finally destroyed. The Eye of Sauron falls, Mount Doom erupts, Sam reminds us that he's straight and Frodo clutches his buddy as they await their death. Except just kidding, because then Gandalf swoops in with the eagles to rescue Frodo and Sam and now the movie ends. Wait, what do you mean that wasn't the end? They had two fade outs. How was that not the end? We open up with Frodo waking up in the Tower of Kirith Ungol. I'm very relieved to see that he is not naked here because in the book he is naked. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think Peter Jackson made a great decision with that one. Yeah, yeah. good call, buddy. Good call. Yep. It's crazy to think that this is officially where Sam and Frodo's story in Return of the King book starts. Yeah, yeah. That is, I think, something that people who only see the movies don't realize. Like, the, the two towers is like a Sam Frodo-centric thing. We see a lot of, of Sam and Frodo in that. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love the the interweaving. I, I know Tolkien originally wanted this to be six books or one large volume, but I love what Peter Jackson did, kind of interweaving the, the two stories together with Frodo and uh, Sam and then Aragorn and company. But a lot of the more toxic parts of the fan base is like, it's not true to the original books. And most times I'm like, shut up. It doesn't matter. It's a different medium. Just deal with it. Yeah, it's definitely the story. Just it. It's so much better when you can cut back and forth because Frodo and Sam's stuff is just, which I'll, I'll talk about uh, when they're like climbing up the mountain too and like going through Mordor. It's just terrible to read Mm -hmm. and i could not imagine if they had done two towers the way that they did two towers book which is you you would just have an hour and a half of aragorn legolas and gimli Mm -hmm. and mary and pippin a tree beard and then you would have an hour and a half of frodo sam and Gollum. it doesn't work it doesn't work i'm glad i'm glad they did it this way i have been very critical however that i i don't like the way that two towers movie was structured because there's a lot of the way that they structured it so much of two towers book content got pushed into return of the king movie and so because of that there's a lot of return of the king book stuff that doesn't make it into the movie yeah or at least the theatrical edition i should say I, i i so yeah, so I've been very critical of like the way that Two Towers and Return of the King have been structured. However, I did just realize that the things from maybe like, okay, we're in Two Towers. Yes. Chapter five, maybe onward of, of Sam and Frodo's story, maybe like the last third of Two Towers of Sam and Frodo's story. All of that is happening at the same time that the first half of Return of the King is happening. Yes. Those things are all happening simultaneously because when we, oh my God, the timelines. Um, because <laughs> when we open up with Frodo in the Tower of Sirith Ungol. Kirith. Sorry, yes, I know you. You, you made a you made a joke about <laughs> that last podcast. I know that no one has corrected me. Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> it's just that like by the time Frodo wakes up in the book, they are already, you know, they're at the Black Gates. The 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 timelines are converging yes, now at this yes. point. So like it it is all a mess. And and Tolkien, God bless him. Great writer, not great at like pacing things. No, not at listen, when you spend when you spend I, I will say this, I absolutely love the Fellowship of the Ring. I think it is my favorite book. But he spends 
in terms of like audiobook time, the Council of Elrond audiobook portion is like 45 minutes long of just solid exposition. Oh, it's, it's nonsense. It's yeah. rough. Now, don't get me wrong. I love that sort of thing. Like I eat that for breakfast, but it's hard to translate that from a movie-wise. Also, yeah. I, and just from a visual perspective, because uh, oddly enough, this is the first time I've watched The Lord of the Rings since the whole TikTok thing happened. Um, I am always amazed at the prosthetics of the orcs and the set design of mm-hmm. Kirith Ungol. Like, the the amount of work and detail that went into just, like, this very small part is phenomenal. I love mm-hmm. it so much. Also, like, speaking of details that, well, I guess we wouldn't have noticed before anyway, because Frodo's had his clothes on. You see the scars on his body. You see where he was stabbed before. Yeah. And then I not- have now noticed you see around his neck, it, the skin is, like, rubbed raw. Oh, I love that. From where he's been wearing the ring. And it's, like, the physical manifestation of the weight that the ring has been pulling on him yeah. and later on um in this section you see after he gets the ring back you see that like it's actually cut into his skin and it, he's bleeding as they're moving closer to mount doom uh, that's one of my favorite parts that i don't think gets enough credit for it because you have to have some sort of it's very difficult visually to explain like here's this object it's affecting me mentally right like unless yeah you do some sort of like physical representation of it it's hard to translate now that weight the 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 everything around his his neck is just the the makeup and prosthetics are fantastic i love that they did that mm-hmm. I, I also i feel the need to uh to mention um since we're talking about the ring itself the the sound effects of when Sam pulls so the good. ring out of the pocket and there's just that oh, so good. So good. Also, that was an amazing impression. Thank you. I <laughs> I used to be, I want to say I used to be a theater kid and a speech and debate kid. So uh, whenever I was competing in my speech and debate, I had to learn how to make the sound effects. So like, I know the, hi, I'm home. Like that's the door. And then I do the heartbeat and any, any. I'm a I'm a just a weird combination of sound effects and facts inside my head. I think we're all weird combinations of of a variety of things. <laughs> Mine yeah. just happened to be sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Um, yeah, Frodo wakes up. There are orcs behind him going through his clothes, and they start fighting as orcs naturally do. Mm. I will say what I miss in the movies from what we get in the books, where we have these moments where Sam and Frodo overhear the orcs talking, and it's very much like casual like water cooler talk at yeah. an office <laughs> and it's so funny peter jackson i think did a good job getting the like evil of the orcs but not necessarily like you got to remember there's a whole orc like culture we don't know much about it but like they're like yeah did you hear about that one nazgul the lady got, stabbed him in the face it's one of those things that like I always forget about like, oh, right, they live there. They have like Mm -hmm. normal conversations that aren't just about the evil of the world. Yeah, yeah. Of course, that would have just added more runtime to an already long movie. I'm all right with it. So release the six hour cut, Peter. (laughs) Um, And we see Frodo despairing a bit because he realizes that he no longer has the ring and he believes that they have taken it. And then we see Sam approaching the tower from the outside and it's very triumphant. And Sam's like, all right, time to go save my boy. (laughs) 
And he walks in, and luckily, most of the work has been done for him by the orcs just killing each other. <laughs> Maybe that's a little bit of convenience on Tolkien's part, but that's exactly what would have happened any other time. I will say, though, I would have like been like, oh, that was just Tolkien writing it to be convenient, that like, oh, the orcs turn on each other or whatever. But he sets that up, that this is a very common oh, thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, this happens all consistently. Of the other books. Like, yeah, all the, yeah. the Mordor and the Isengard orcs fight each other, the Isengard and the Isengard orcs fight each other it's a whole it's yeah. a whole ranking thing so pretty much all of the orcs except for three have been killed by each other and sam scares them off for a bit with a like shadow <laughs> of himself and that's the that's the best part i think of like that whole that whole scene is that like sometimes what you see is not always what it actually is and like mm. people take the the hobbits sort of at face value like oh hey three and a half foot tall being i have nothing to worry about from you and then it's the shadow and it's like whoa very scary and then you know sam sam kicks some butt i love yeah. it yeah he kills these three orcs and says that one's for frodo and that's for the shire and that's for my old gaffer <laughs> i love and that i part. love i love this moment because it's it's sam like being fed up now with what the ring and Mordor and this incredibly like dark quest has done to his life and mm -hmm. he's like I'm done mm -hmm. uh, and he is overcome with rage to go save his his boyfriend <laughs> oh are we gonna are we gonna talk about that part of it too because oh yeah listen I've I've read the fan fiction maybe maybe not as much as most people but <laughs> It exists. We're going to make so yeah. many toxic fanboys angry. Oh, no, it's fine. I've already scared them all off. <laughs> Excellent. They're all gone by now. You do not need that kind of negativity. And there was heard round the world a resounding, yikes! If you follow That's What I'm Talking About on Instagram, you know what I'm referring to. Anyway, I think I scared them off when I was reading the books and I just would never stop hating on Boromir. Oh. I think it's fine. Okay. Here's the thing. I have I have much love for Boromir. Boromir is my second favorite character, but I'll explain oh why gosh. I'll explain why later, but it also has to do with it's mostly a book thing, but it, I promise it's a non-toxic masculinity thing. Anyway, <laughs> Boromir's been dead for a movie and a half. What's yeah, rip Boromir. Oof. Yeah, and so Sam goes up and saves Frodo just as another orc is about to kill him. Frodo so he's like, I'm so sorry, Sam, for everything that I did. And I'm like, Frodo, you better keep apologizing to Sam until the day you die, because that's never going to be enough for what you did to him. He was nothing but good to you. And you believed Gollum over your best friend. The power of the ring. He's being corrupted. I know. I know. I know. Sad. And he tells Sam, he's like, you know, none of this is worth it anymore because they have the ring. And Sam says, no, they don't. And he pulls the ring out. And I think, I can't remember when um, he is earlier, quote unquote, mourning Frodo, who's not really dead. <laughs> um, he, we don't see him take the ring. We do not. Um, no. Because I think we they wanted to set up this moment of like, uh, yeah, you know, like, suspense oh, shock. and surprise. Yeah. 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 What is so sad, though, is that we miss the detail from the book that when Sam is like, quote unquote, being tempted by the ring, what he wants to do is make the world into a giant garden. <laughs> we do not deserve Samwise Gamgee. We oh don't. Oh, my gosh. We absolutely it, don't. It's one of my favorite things ever. Like everyone else has the ring and they're like, oh, I'm going to be a powerful leader. I'm going to rule everything. I'm going to kill everyone. Sam's like, let's plant some flowers. Yep. That is one of the first videos actually I ever made 
the that same day on TikTok, and I said, you know what? Samwise Gamgee is the best character. Here's why. Everyone else is tempted. Sam wants to make a garden. Mm-hmm. When he pulls the ring out, we get this moment that you mentioned earlier where the sound the the sound editing for the ring is just so mm. it's just so good. So good. And so good. Uh, it's yeah, it's amazing. And and Frodo asks for it back and Sam go, like reaches out to give it to him and then pulls it back. Mm. And this is it's such a great moment for for two reasons, because one, I think, is Sam is now experiencing just a little bit of what Frodo has been experiencing, where he is being tempted by the ring and overcome by it. And he is finally getting a little bit of the insight into Frodo's mind for the past couple weeks. Mm-hmm. The what I think is more at play, what I think is the stronger like thought process here for Sam is that he has seen what the ring does to Frodo, and he knows it hurts him, and he doesn't want to give it back to him for that reason. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think I think the the dramatic tension between Frodo and Sam in that scene is so poignant, because like, at the same time, you're like, wait, is Sam going to turn evil? But at the same time, Sam is thinking like, well, no, 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 I got this. I can do this. And then Frodo, on the other hand, is like, no, 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 no. I, this is me. This is this mm-hmm. is all on me. You don't. You yeah, don't. he says this is my. It's my burden. My burden mm-hmm. to bear. Ugh. And um, when Sam gives him the ring back, Frodo says like, "You don't understand, Sam. It would destroy you." And I'm kind of like, "Would it really though?" Because Sam like, <laughs> Sam just wants to plant gardens. Are you saying this entire trilogy could have been sped up by like six months if we had just given it to yes. Sam? It's like Sam, I think Sam should have had the ring. <laughs> A hundred percent. I still stand by the fact that they should have just traded the ring off between hobbits so that like the Horcrux in Harry Potter. Yeah, like the Horcrux in Harry Potter. Yes, exactly. They should have just traded it off between hobbits and sure that might have gotten more complicated when Merry and Pippin get separated. Oh, God. I think it would have because I think it would have been better for them to be sharing the burden rather than it just absolutely destroying Frodo. That's you know what? That's interesting. I I would love someone write a fan fiction about that. Do you have any fan fiction listeners? I don't know. I haven't even be I, I see. Here's the thing: is a part of me wants to do like an episode or two to talk about the the fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Another part of me never wants to dive into that category. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm afraid of what I might find. Uh, as someone who has looked, but not necessarily delved, there's a lot. Just oh, fair geez. warning. Wade, oh, wade no. cautiously. <clears throat> oh, no. Um, anyway. <laughs> Frodo has the ring. They go to take off. They have disguised themselves. They're wearing orc clothes. And it's like, oh, look at these little, look at these little tiny orcs. Yeah. These little baby orcs. <laughs> <laughs> and and I love that because like uh, there there are smaller orcs right like hobbits are like three and a half four feet tall there are orcs that are you know four and a half five feet ish but they're still so baggy on them I, I just know. I love the the visual of them just like that's my sound effect. <laughs> Um, and they see that across the, um, I don't know, like field or, or desert or whatever, mm-hmm. between them and Mount Doom, there's just thousands of orcs. And Frodo's like, there's no way we can do this. I think this is the first time you see Sauron, like the, the eye of Sauron doing his like spotlight yeah, effect. Yeah, I, I think, I think I've, I've always been very, <laughs> I, I love Elijah Wood and I think he did a wonderful job. But the way he delivers the line, the eye. Always didn't didn't quite sit well with me. I was like, he he has some questionable. He has a lot. He has many 
questionable moments in this movie. Yeah. So, yeah. and um, yeah, and Frodo's like, there's no way we can do this. And Sam, God bless him, is like, it's okay, Frodo. Let's just, let's get to the bottom of this hill. Mm-hmm. Everyone needs a Sam in their life <laughs> to, to be like, I know this task is daunting and it feels like we can't do it, but let's just, let's just start. Yep. Let's just, let's just do this one bit at a time and we'll see how it goes. Make it down the hill. We go back to everyone at Minas Tirith after the battle is over and we have completely skipped everything for the houses of the healing is a one alive i don't know is faramir alive i don't know i guess we'll have to find out later um an extended edition i'm hoping but uh yeah we've completely cut out all of the things where we catch up on some of our our characters who have been either mortally wounded or killed (laughs) yeah that that is that is one of the things that the theatrical version does kind of gloss over i'll say but you know in the interest of it not being a six-hour movie, I think Peter yeah. Jackson made some. And decisions. also, um, I understand why it is, is because it would like completely ruin any momentum that they're yeah. building. Yeah. Of like, we just had this huge battle, and then now we're showing everyone like gearing up and planning and getting ready for like the battle, the, battle. the yeah. final moment. Which, yeah. which, oh my gosh, the let me let's let's talk about this for a second as a book movie difference. The books they take their time they they take yeah it's you know, like two weeks yeah I think. they're like hey we should probably go to mordor yeah okay cool let's gather our troops and let some people heal and get everything together how long does it take to get to mordor and i understand why peter jackson did it but i have i have always loved the idea of like well we're in Minas tirith and we're in mordor boom here we go yeah now we're here <laughs> here we we're go here. i should also mention i don't think i brought it up in the previous episode but i should mention the lack of one of my I say favorite characters. I don't know. I appreciated him very much. Prince Imrahil in the oh, book. Oh, yes. It's not in the movies. I just liked his presence in the books because he's very chill. He's very calm, cool, and collected. Yep. And like, there's this one moment in the Houses of the Healing chapter where they're all trying to let, where like, it's like Aragorn, Amor, and Imrahil are trying to be like, okay, so like, we all agree that I'm, that Aragorn, you're not going to be king yet because that, we don't want to like rock the boat. Yep. So like, who, do, and everyone's like, Gandalf is in charge, right? And they're like, yeah, I guess Gandalf is in charge. Yeah. Okay, cool. As yeah. he should be. There's, there's also, <laughs> So I'm not I, I I can't look this up right away because I don't nah. So there is some thought. I don't know how much credence there is. I think Prince Imrahil is the guy with the long blonde hair that says, Long has he foreseen this doom in the return oh, of the is he? I, th- I think that it's I it could I, be him. I don't know if he actually gets any credit, but maybe that maybe that's him. Either way, I love it, Rahil. I think he is one of like the smarter side characters that just kind of pops yeah. up and is like, Hey Aragorn, we should we should probably do this, 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 and this. Yeah. And Aragorn's yeah. like, Yes, I agree with you, absolutely. Mm-hmm. They're just a great dream team, all of them. And it's like this is what happens when all of your old leaders die out or yep. get killed. Yep. <laughs> Or burn themselves alive, you know? Yep. Oh, also, (laughs) there's this one shot of Aomer and Legolas standing next to each other, and it makes me laugh every time. (laughs) I noticed that. Because Aomer is just built. He is like a building. And then Legolas is this like tiny little waif of an elf (laughs) standing next to him. And that that is probably the most striking like difference, because... Aragorn himself is a a very physically strong person, but Carl Urban and Orlando Bloom could not be more different physically. (laughs) 
<laughs> I love oh, it. Oh, it just makes me laugh every single time. Yeah. And anyway, yeah. So they're ta- they're talking about Frodo and whether or not this is still going to work out. What's happening? Gandalf says that he can feel the darkness is deepening. Aragorn says, "If Sauron had the ring, we would know it by now, because we'd all be dead." Which he's he's right. Yes. Yep. Gandalf has this moment where he says, "I've sent him to his death," and just you see in McCall, he has several moments throughout this trilogy where very subtle moments of like just his facial expression that are so impactful where he has this look of like such pain even still like after you know it's been several weeks or months you know however long since he originally told Frodo like okay here's Bilbo's ring we're gonna go on this mission now Rivendell to Mordor is six here's this for here's an obscure Lord of the Rings fact Rivendell to Mordor is uh six months they destroy okay. it exactly six months. It's uh, March 20th. They leave right. October 25th. Or is it October 25th? I don't have it off the top of my head, but I know it's six months. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Gandalf is like, I've sent him to his death. And Aragorn says, maybe not. Proposes this idea of let's go face Sauron and his army and forces at the Black Gates. And we will divert his attention to us and maybe give Frodo and Sam a chance to to make it to Mount Doom and destroy the ring unnoticed. Gimli has a great line. (laughs) Certainty of death, small chance of success. What are we waiting for? My favorite. I know Gimli, uh, book purists will argue that Gimli has turned into like a comic relief character. Oh yeah, he definitely has I love that though. I love that line. Like, of course we're all going to die, but we might save the world. Let's go. Yeah. However, I would argue, though, that like this. Well, like, yes, this is a comedic moment. I think this is a very on brand oh, statement for a dwarf, Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like once again, just talking. Yeah. Like book Gimli versus movie Gimli. They've really reversed Legolas and Gimli from the book to the movies because Legolas is a lot more lighter in the mm-hmm. books and then played by Orlando Bloom and those very like sultry mm. <laughs> eyes and eyebrows. Um <laughs> Is very ominous and serious. And then, yeah, Gimli is. And that could have just been that, like, John Reese davies is just so good that they're like, we have to give him some of these comedic moments. It's, it's, he, his timing is, is wonderful. And I think, yeah. you know, you do need some levity in the, in the kind of very dark, depressing parts of oh, the yeah. movie sometimes. Cause otherwise, your, your whole, it's like you're watching like a horror movie and you're constantly scared all the time. You need that moment to breathe of like, mm-hmm. okay. Yes, we are going to go march to our deaths, but you know yes. what? We're going to do it with our heads held high. Yeah. So they go off. We When we cut from them, like, together in the, I don't know, chain, like castle or whatever, and then them, it, the army leaving, it's this first shot of the white tree of Gondor that Aragorn is now wearing on his, as his armor and uniform mm-hmm. which side note i feel like he should be wearing it looks like he's just wearing like a leather like yeah. <laughs> cover, like wears like some actual armor yeah he bro. needs a full-on like, like he like is the plate. king he needs <laughs> full-on like we shouldn't be able to see any of his body he needs to yeah. be prote- protect aragorn at all costs yeah what's up with that but anyway yeah it's a very big moment because now we are seeing him you know like he 
essentially is the king now. It's his final the form. Only, it's his the final only form. thing left to do is the formality of like the actual ceremony. Yep. We have one of my favorite iterations of, of Aragorn, which is half ponytail Aragorn. He gets his <laughs> hair pulled back. And I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion because it's it's generally known that Aragorn looks better when he is dirty than when he is clean. <laughs> Um, however, I still, I love him with the half pony. I just love it. It's beautiful. <laughs> I, I gotta say, I, I have never, I have never talked to anyone that is like, oh yeah, clean shaven Vigo Mortensen looks about, it is always, it is always, yes, give me dirty Aragorn. Dirty Aragorn. Yep. Yeah. Um, but here he's looking, he's looking pretty good. Also a change from the book is that Mary is going with them, yes. which I am a hundred percent fine with Mary and Pippin not being separated again. Absolutely. Never you know? keep those two apart again. And what, and I, I also believe that he was healed quickly because there is there's like one or two moments in in the book where Aragorn is like he's like okay Faramir and Eowyn need to stay here because they're they really need to heal Mary he's fine he can leave tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I I believe that he's fine I always kind of looked at that moment in the books as like no no Mary would want to go like I get that he is hurt but like when you let's just put it this way if my best friend was about to walk into certain death, and I was just kind of sitting here waiting, like, oh yeah, I'll rest up, and if you lose, I'm just delaying the inevitable. Like, I would be right there with him. Mm -hmm, I would be mm -hmm. right there with him, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. We show Frodo and Sam now, and the armies and the the hordes of orcs are leaving, and they're moving off toward the Black Gate, and Sam is like, see, Frodo, we've had a turn of luck, which, like, ever the optimist, Sam. (laughs) They're just walking through a desolate wasteland of Mordor. It's in moments like these where I'm like, I can't believe I read entire chapters about... So, listeners, listeners who have maybe never... You've never read the books... You you know those five those like five or ten second shots in between them cutting back and forth from Frodo and Sam to the Black Gates where it's just Frodo and Sam like struggling up the mountain or they're just walking through the wasteland or Frodo is is spilling the like three drops of water that Sam gives him. Those are like entire chapters in the book. And I can't believe I had to read those. They sure are. And that's that's one of the things that like when people give Tolkien a lot of flack for describing every tree branch, I always I'm like, yeah, that's fair. And then the chapters in Mordor, I give him full, full credit on. And I think for those that maybe don't know, Tolkien fought in World War One mm. and the 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 land of Mordor is very reminiscent of a couple of the battles that Tolkien was in, specifically, I think, the Battle of Verdun, where you see the craters of Mordor. And then if you look at the craters in any of the World War II battles, like Pashingdale or... Sorry, I'm going off on a tangent, but like this is one of no, those things it. that like Tolkien gets a free pass for any of the Mordor description because... The the I can't imagine the effects that war had on him, but if you compare Mordor to Verdun or Passchendaele or the Battle of the Somme or any of those, it's more or less cutting, copy and pasting. Mm-hmm. It's desolate. It is bleak. There are no trees. There is just dirt and grime. And visually, I think Peter Jackson and his team did an incredible job with yeah, all of that. Yeah. You really get the sense like this is a no man's land in every sense of the word. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Tolkien was very, very effective in his writing. And what's what's a relief for us as movie watchers is that for, you know, what would take Tolkien one page of description, Peter Jackson can accomplish in five seconds. Perfectly. <laughs> of a yeah, shot. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, we have a moment where Frodo and Sam stop to rest for a second. Frodo's like, oh, I'm all out of water. And Sam says, oh, don't worry, you can have the last of mine. And Frodo like turns Spills it it like everywhere <sighs> and like it's only a cut it's only like one or two sips it's not like a full water bottle that he spills but i'm like i'm like just put your mouth around it and <laughs> and just it's just very frustrating yeah yeah i i think i think it's one of those you have to be there in the moment things like yeah i guess if you were weak and shaking i i get it whatever but yeah um and he says there won't be any left for the return journey home and sam says i don't think there will be a return journey home this is a very heartbreaking moment for just so so many reasons because we started this movie with a scene of frodo and sam talking about like food and rationing and sam says oh well there will be we'll have enough for the return journey home and frodo is so shocked and he's like i can't believe how like innocent and naive my friend is that he thinks we're going to be going home but in this moment where he says we're not going to have enough for the journey home i don't know if that's him hoping that there's will be or if that's just him trying to like make sam feel better and play into like oh he thinks we're gonna go home i'll let him think i also think that and then for him to see sam admit that like we're not going home. Yeah, there's there's not there's not much of a sense of hope in that moment. And I think yeah. when Samwise Gamgee has given up going home, yeah. It it means the end. And I, I mm-hmm. think they fully believe that. Like they they from that moment on, it's like, all right, here we go. Mm-hmm. Final push. What I miss here is a moment in the book that really they kind of took and did at the end of Two Towers with Sam's speech. But um, it's one of my favorite moments in the book where Sam, it's right before they get to Mount Doom, Sam looks up in the night sky and sees a star. And mm. there's this beautiful, it, it's basically like the passage where in the movie where he says like the shadow is a passing thing. And he's talking about like the the light up there can't be touched by darkness and, and all this other stuff that's just really beautiful. And hopeful and wonderful and i'm sad that it didn't that that moment didn't make it into return of the king that is one of my favorite moments that sort of light in the darkness metaphor just Mm -hmm. wonderfully written tolkien's Mm -hmm. remarkable at that sort of description it's like oh yeah we might we might be in the middle of actual hell but it's still like perfect to me mm-hmm. oh, okay yeah so then we is this when we accomplish it okay no we're good uh i might i might be getting confused a lot because from here to the end of this section we have a lot of just cutting back yeah and forth there's a between. lot of back and forth first we have a moment where sauron's eye is looking on them and and sam yes okay that's yes. Right. yeah same as uh, we get our first Frodo scream, which I've been making fun of throughout the movie coverage. How how Sam will go Frodo? We've it's been a while since we had one of yeah. those. We get one of those um, because Sauron's eye turns to them, and Frodo drops like a puppet, a sack of potatoes. Yeah, just, yeah. Like what? <laughs> how many times does Elijah Wood either get tossed out of frame or just fall? Because it happens a few times. Yeah. In this yeah. trilogy. Yeah. It- I don't know. It's just so it's just so dramatic. It is. It's, it's the so dramatic, dramatic flop of the movie. Cause Sam Sam says like Frodo get down and Sam like turns around and kind of looks at it and then he just falls. <sighs> and I'm just like, what is wrong with you? It's Whatever. a it's a choice. It's a choice. 
Um, and so now we have Aragorn and the army arriving at the Black Gates. Um, this moment kind of makes me laugh where, like, they kind of have to go and, like, knock on the door and yep. be like, hey, yep. we're here. <laughs> Hello. We're here to fight. <laughs> Anyone home? <laughs> yeah. There's a moment, I think, in that scene where that I can't ever unsee now. I've seen this movie so many times and I didn't miss, uh, didn't see it. But I um, you're going to say what I'm thinking. Is it Pippin's stunt double? Yes! Oh, I can't ever unsee yes. it now so there's this yeah there's this sh- sh- so they go up to talk to the black gates and, and be like we're here um and there's the shot behind aragorn right before he says fall back where you can very clearly see that sitting in front of gandalf it is not billy boy nope, nope. <laughs> it is not even remotely close stunt double yeah i don't know if they forgot to put the face in or they couldn't do it digitally or or what but that is or if they thought he was like gonna be out of the shot i don't know yeah <sighs> It's 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 tough because like don't get me wrong I've watched these movies probably hundreds of times at this point but I can never unsee it and I yeah. I try and ignore it every time I'm like oh that's a nice oh and like there he no, is it, by no means am I insulting the stunt double because I, I can't imagine what they had to do uh comparatively in this movie um but it's one of those things I can't not unsee I know and it's it's just such a very it's not like oh it's a quick glimpse. You see him for a while. You, they hang on the shot for a couple it's, seconds. Yeah, it's there for a while. Yeah. So, um, and then that's when we see the Eye of Sauron turn from Frodo and Sam to the Black Gates. And this is where it's helpful to be able to like physically see. It's a little. I have to say, it's a little cheesy that like he's little. He's a literal spotlight. <laughs> Um, we don't ever actually see Sauron in physical form in the books, but yeah. I think I I I get a lot because I am the obscure Lord of the Rings facts guy. I get a lot of questions like, "Wait, how did Sauron change his form to an eye?" I'm like, "Listen, that's that's a movie thing. I'm okay with it, but the whole like spotlight thingy that he did, where he's quick and jerking around the the whole of Mordor, is like okay." Okay, I can see where you're going with this. It is at least helpful and it is effective. Absolutely. That um you can like actually see it. Whereas, yeah, in the book it's more like a vague threat hanging over yeah, them, looming yeah. over them. So it is helpful that like you can physically see that like, oh, he's actually turned and he's no longer looking at that. That definitely helped me when I was a kid understand the movies yeah, a little bit mm-hmm. more. So the scene where the army is assembling in front of the Black Gates was shot in a desert that was used by the army as a training field. Yep. And this fact just makes me scream. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> so what I'm about to read is word for word, like from the trivia section that I have on, on Amazon video for Love this, this for so Return much. of the King. Because it was still littered with mines and bombs that hadn't gone off, the army had to sweep the field with metal detectors to, quote, make the danger for the actors, actresses, and extras acceptable at least. <laughs> What does that mean? That makes it sound like the actors, like, that they were like, oh, you're being a bunch of babies. It's just a bunch of, it's just a couple mines and bombs that hadn't got off. Like, what? What? There's a part in the in the behind the scenes of the extended editions where Vigo Mortensen and Carl Urban are kind of explaining it, and they're like, "Yeah, so the police and the the uh, experts come up and go, this is a mine, this is a bomb, and there might be a few of them sticking out of the ground. Don't touch them." Oh 
My <laughs> God. And so I was also half expecting to read, just given all of the all of the trivia I've read about Viggo Mortensen, I was half expecting for this fact to be followed up with like, and then Viggo Mortensen stumbled across a bomb and diffused it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I was expecting to read something about him diffusing a bomb. So much happens to Viggo Mortensen oh, during these movies. God. Like he almost just, drowned, he lost a tooth, he bought his horse and like learned how to ride, he carried the whole sword like and it at its actual weight like vigo was aragorn in every sense of the yeah, word yeah so this so so this will bring us i was gonna i was gonna wait uh for another scene but i think this will be the natural transition into this week's segment of is vigo mortensen actually a ranger <laughs> <laughs> so Vigo Mortensen began a tradition of greeting felt I don't know necessarily side note if this is like a actual like Vigo Mortensen is he a ranger fact it's just a fun fact about Vigo Mortensen <laughs> I'm alright with it Vigo Mortensen began a tradition of greeting fellow Lord of the Ring co-stars with a headbutt which Elijah Wood called an act of quote spontaneous violent love <laughs> Dominic Monaghan said in a Reddit AMA recently, Vigo conducted a long-running headbutting prank, which involved him headbutting you quite violently. He almost knocked me out at my birthday party with a headbutt. It continues to this day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Vigo, we could make a movie about Vigo Mortensen. Forget the Lord yeah. of the Rings. Let's have our Vigo biopic. He would yeah. play himself. I don't care how old he is at that point. Just do it. He is yeah. He is a, a character unto himself. So that will conclude this week's segment of Is Vigo Mortensen Actually a Ranger? They fall back to the army and this, now this is a pre-battle speech. Screw whatever oh. Theoden said earlier. <laughs> I have never cared for Theoden's speech. I love the moment where they show up at the Battle of Pelennor Fields. I do not care for his speech where he's like, we're all going to die. Charge. (laughs) That's that's kind of the motif of a a lot of this. Of of Rohan's like, Helm's Deep. Well, we're all going to die. Battle of Pelennor Fields. Oh, we're all going to die. We're standing here in, uh, in literally right next to the Black Gate. Well, oh, wait. Here's Aragorn's speech. Yeah. And this is where we just see what a good king uh, Aragorn is. Yep. He says, I see in your eyes the same fear that would take the heart of me. A day may come when the courage of men fails, when we forsake our friends and break all bonds of fellowship. Which, side note, I died a little bit when he says fellowship because I'm like, oh my God. Oh, same. same. <laughs> anyway, but it is not this day. An hour of wolves and shattered shields when the age of men comes crashing down. But it is not this day. This day we fight. By all that you hold dear on this good earth, I bid you stand, men of the West. Pulls out Andoril, who actually, I have the sword of Andoril. I bought it at Comic-Con. Amazing. It's a great, it's a good speech. It's a good moment. It is. Yeah, and I'm just like, so like in this moment, I'm just like so proud of like the character that we've seen, this journey that we've seen Aragorn yeah. go on. He's got one of the best character arcs. And it's funny you say that because my, my only note for this speech, I love how you have just given like the full rundown. My only note for this speech was, Aragorn's speech is perfection. Yeah. And it, it is. is. It is. Yeah. Meanwhile, Frodo and Sam are, guess what? They're still struggling. Um, <laughs> Evergreen. They are. <laughs> Evergreen statement right there. Um, They're struggling up the mountain. We get a little flash 
of the Shire music coming oh. in as they like look up on the mountain and they like collapse down. So such good choice as far as like music choices go. Like let's remind everyone. Remember what they had. Remember in the beginning when we were happy and Gandalf was setting off fireworks. Remember that <laughs> and like the the remember the strawberries. The taste of strawberries part, it, uh, I that that part always gets me. Yeah, wait, yeah. Sam hugs Frodo and says, "Do you? Yeah, do you remember the Shire?" And then, like, even worse, the fact that it's followed up with Frodo saying, "Like, I don't remember the taste of food, nor the like touch taste of, of grass. sound of water, yeah. touch of grass." He's like, "All I see is darkness." And Sam says, "Well, we're not gonna have. We can't have that now, can we?" <laughs> nope. And he, this is just, I like scream every time this, this moment happens. Sam says, I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you. <sighs> and this is, so Don, uh, when I was reading the books, I had a very specific image in my head of what, of like how the ring was going to be destroyed and like the lead up to it. And I was picturing something in my head that I couldn't place until finally I was like, oh, I'm imagining in the movie Holes when Stanley has to carry Zero up the mountain. Oh, And he breaks yeah. Madame Zeroni's curse. Wow. So I referred to this as the Holes theory. The whole okay. Granted, you know, I had zero idea how how this would actually play out. And so when this actually when I when I read this chapter in the book, I was screaming. I was like, I can't believe I was so on point with that prediction. I haven't thought about holes in years. Thank oh, you. Oh, I think about it all the time. Thank it's a fantastic you for that. movie. Oh, it is. It is. <laughs> the triumph of of my holes theory still rings true watching the movie, watching this moment of Sam carrying Frodo as Stanley carries zero up the mountain I love it holes. I love it best yeah. best part in the tr- for me best part in the trilogy I can't carry it for you but I can carry you I think is my favorite quote of the trilogy yeah yeah there was a tweet that I don't know someone retweeted and I found and it was talking this person was talking about they they were thinking about how Lord of the Rings stands like still after all these years it's able to stand out as such a superior fantasy series because it rejects this idea of individualism and this idea of like the chosen one yeah. and like it's all up to this one person yeah. because at the core of Lord of the Rings it's about support it's about like working together yeah, for is. this greater cause I, it really comes down to this moment and it's such a it's also like just such a great metaphor for like life in general yeah. and like I've I've talked to a couple of people that have that have um said that they they see it at the, the ring itself as like uh people struggling with addiction whether that's yeah. you know any any sort of alcohol or narcotics or or whatever but um they 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 see that scene as like the the perfect summation of like you you can't make someone get better just mm-hmm. by 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 taking on the burden for them but you can help them in any yeah. way possible and I, I i think that is like as far as metaphors go that's probably one of the best ones that i've heard like yeah it's perfect. it's it's great and like we should all and then also you know still in a time of we're in a pandemic <laughs> oh. this story is just it's just even more important yep. because we can't, this is not something that we can do by ourselves. It's something that you have to help and support each other and your community through this time. And in your moments of darkness, 
you should hopefully at that point be surrounded by other people who you know like yeah. at, at one point in our lives we'll all be a frodo and at some point in our lives we'll be a sam oh i love that you know? i love that we're like yeah. sometimes you will be the person who needs someone to help you and carry you as you are carrying your burden and then Hopefully there will come a time in your life when you can repay that for someone else. Oh, I love that so much. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Also, wear a mask, everybody, please. Yeah, wear a mask. <laughs> Get vaccinated. Yes, please. It's fine. Oh. Back at the Black Gates, we have Sauron's army has surrounded. It's not even like Rohan and Gondor. It's just like everyone who's yeah. alive at this point. Yeah. yeah. So the books, <laughs> I think, army. say there's like about 7,000 soldiers from it's Gondor, it's Rohan, it's the people from Dal Amroth, it's the rangers from the north, it's uh, it's Aragorn, it's not Aragorn's, it's, uh, I, I'm not sure, but I, I think Elrond's kids go? El- Eladon and Elro here? Right! I th- I, that's they a book show, only thing. I, I do remember they show up at one point and I was like, who are these random elves? <laughs> They're and such... it's like not explained necessarily that these are Elrond's kids. No, it's, so I think in the in the books you get you meet Eladon and Elro here at the Council of Elrond or a little bit before that, and then you don't see them for like two and a half books, and they suddenly show back up. Yeah, because I think it's it's towards the start of Return of the King book, and then Aragorn takes a bunch of people with him when they go to the Paths of the Dead. Yes. It's more it's more than just him, Legolas, and Gimli. Yes. and I forget also that like more. Rangers show up and we get Aragorn's friend um, like Halbarad who yep. is basically just like Aragorn 2.0 yep. sure is <laughs> sure is um, I think he dies in the battle of Pelennor Fields I can't remember I, I, you know what I, that's an obscure fact even I don't know so we can <laughs> <laughs> we can chalk that um, up to maybe... what do you mean you don't know off the top of your head the exact body <laughs> count of the battle of Pelennor Fields <laughs> Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're totally, point is that we have this shot where we see how totally outnumbered they are. Yeah. Oh, There's yeah. not going to be an army of the dead showing up. There's not going to be Gandalf showing up with the Rohirrim and Aomer. That's not happening this time. Gimli says, I never thought I'd die side by side with an elf. And Legolas says, how about side by side with a friend? Ugh. And Gimli says, I, I can do that. The best, the best of, the best of, fr- I love that that part so much because when you think about it at its core the lord of the rings is about a bunch of races come the movies at least are about a bunch of different people from different races coming together and fighting against evil and like i love that the friendship of gimli and legolas is so like shall i describe it to you or would you like me to find you a box from the previous movie is like the perfect sort of like segue into this oh yeah i guess they they can be friends. It's yeah. it's great to see that. And I love the the love final it. the final part of this where it just, you know, this this really is about friendship and camaraderie and we need that. Yeah. And um a reminder for book readers or maybe people have ne- who have never read the books, um after the events of Lord of the Rings, Legolas and Gimli literally go sailing off into the sunset together as <laughs> Legolas do. tries to sneak Gimli into the Undying Lands, I think is what is implied. <laughs> I, I don't know if it was sneak necessarily, but it was definitely like I I'm just imagining this is my head canon and I'm sure fan fiction of this exists that Legolas goes with Gimli on a ship 
uh, and it's just the two of them, and they're like, "Yeah, no, we'll we'll go." And then all of a sudden, they show up on the uh, the the island of Tol Eresea, which is where you for here's another obscure Lord of the Rings fact. That's the first island you'll see if you sail to the Undying Lands. There's an island called Tol Eresea, and I'm just imagining Galadriel and her husband being there. And Gimli's like, "Oh my god, oh my god, I'm gonna get to see her again." And Celeborn <laughs> is just like glancing over at his wife like are are we allowing this is this happening and Gal- it's, a, it's a dwarf yeah <laughs> like <laughs> and galadriel is just like galadriel is either gonna have one of two options like oh legolas you little mm, or like <laughs> oh he's back yeah yeah <laughs> There's a brief, actually, so before this happens, there's this one shot where it's right before the eye starts speaking to Aragorn. There's this one shot where behind Aragorn, oh, yep. I don't know what Orlando Bloom is doing, <laughs> but it looks like he's trying to lean out of the shot. So I think I can probably explain this having watched the, uh, let me explain. So the original plan for that scene was that Sauron was going to like come out in physical form and Aragorn Mm -hmm. was going to fight him. But in doing that, they were going to have this bright light and Sauron was just going to come out in this bright light. And I think they just kind of got rid of the light and didn't do reshoots. So is that him like squinting? That is Orlando Bloom like squinting and backing away from the light. I I kind of wish they had reshot that. But I'm also 100% should have. It's so awkward looking. Maybe you can only shoot in a minefield and like that's full of bombs for so long. So they're just like, you know what? Just just leave it. It's fine. It's fine. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, that is that is uh, the reason why. Yeah. So this what you were talking about, about how they had a different plan for for the, for the battle for the, well actually well first let me say so yeah it, there's this moment where the eye of sauron uh speaks to aragorn and he says like aragorn elisar mm-hmm, and there's mm-hmm. this brief moment where aragorn steps forward and he drops his sword and it's a moment of like is he gonna turn to i mean there wasn't a doubt in my mind that like oh he was gonna go you know like oh he's gonna turn on us he's gonna go moment. dark or whatever um but there there is a brief a brief moment where you're like what's what's he thinking what's he doing and you see everyone behind him is is also thinking that and then he turns around and says with his hair flowing beautifully in the wind of course I should add, he says for frodo and charges forward oh it's such a good scene and then we get the fellowship theme comes in again and then mary and pippin charge forward before anyone else i love that i love that that is uh i see this is just this the the rest of this podcast is just going to be me gushing cuz like, everything <laughs> everything going forward is just absolutely perfect oh, my the, gosh, the yeah. hobbits running before anyone else i think speaks volumes to peter jackson's direction and some of the choices that he made and you know you might not agree with everything but if Mary and Pippin aren't the first ones charging into that, then, you know, that yeah. was, anything else was the wrong decision. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Then everyone else charges and I wrote down, so it begins again. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of moments from like the help from Helm's Deep onward through like the end of Return of the King where the- it's a lot of like, and so it begins <laughs> sort of yeah. again. So, yeah. but like, this is definitely it. Like, this is it. This is the final fight for humanity. What we were kind of mentioning earlier, so there were originally plans for Aragorn to be fighting a physical manifestation of Sauron one-on-one outside the Black Gates. 
this was ultimately decided that they would they would go a different direction because they thought it wasn't it wasn't with like Tolkien's original plans yeah. and ideas and everything and also that it would distract too much from Frodo and Sam's plotline but they decided to keep the footage and just reuse it so this scene where Aragorn is looking at the Eye of Sauron and he is like stepping forward this was originally supposed to be him approaching um, an image of Sauron and his original elvish like appearance Anatar yeah I should also add at the time that we're recording this Amazon Prime whatever just released like an a quote unquote official like synopsis yep. of the Amazon Prime series. Yep. I should say it's a it's a load of hooey. The <laughs> like they wrote like they wrote so many words for like two paragraphs yep. where they essentially said nothing about the series. <laughs> They're like they'll fight darkness they've never seen before and they'll go from from Mordor to God and I'm like okay this you haven't told me anything about the I show. actually but, um, I have it in my notes actually if you want me to read the the load of hoopla Great powers were forged, <laughs> kingdoms rose to glory and fell to ruin, and unlikely heroes are tested. Hope hung by the finest of threads, and the greatest villain that ever flowed from Tolkien's pen threatened to cover all the world in darkness. Like, pff, been there, done that. Like, that's beautiful. But yeah, so the so we now have like official confirmation that the series will be taking place thousands of years before The Hobbit starts taking place. So, and it sounds like we're going to see the rise of Sauron. So we might get to see this physical manifestation of what Sauron looked like. Hashtag um, simping for Sauron. <laughs> that's a thing I introduced and I think a lot like... Sal the character of Sauron, I'm on a tangent now, but the character of Sauron must be the most beautiful of actors or actresses. I was gonna or say, isn't they... he supposed to be hot? Yeah. 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 Hot Sauron is gonna be a thing. Yeah, so this was supposed to be um this moment of Aragorn approaching the Eye of Sauron was supposed to be him approaching the actual physical form of Sauron. And then the charge that he does, you know, for Frodo and he took which like <laughs> It's really fun. There have been a lot of memes of like, he says, for Frodo and turns around and runs and then like no one else runs and it's just him <laughs> charging by himself. Guys, come on. <laughs> Get over here. This was supposed to take him into a heated sword fight with the real armor clad Sauron. And then in this battle that um, ensues, we have Aragorn has this like very intense, it's very random, but like after learning this fact, I'm like, okay, that totally checks out. That makes way more sense. He has a very intense like one-on-one -on -one battle with this troll where like the troll growls and Aragorn like turns around and I'm like, why is this one troll, like what does this troll and Aragorn, like what vendetta do they have with each other? <laughs> um, and they're like fighting one-on-one. -on -one. This was supposed to be Sauron and they digitally added the troll over the stuntman. So I'm like, okay, that makes a lot more yeah. sense. I, I'm okay with I'm okay with all of that. It does kind of fit more with the motif because I think if Sauron did come out, it it might distract. I, I think you said it really well. It would distract from yeah the the Frodo Sam plotline, which yes. is arguably more important. Speaking of which, we go back to Frodo and Sam, and they are once again still struggling. Um, they are climbing up Mount Doom, which was shot on a vo volcano called. I should have looked up how to pronounce this. Rua Pehu. 
I think sure. I think that's right. I think it's Ruapehu. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, please forgive me if I mis- if I woefully mispronounced that. Um, and the footing was so steep on the volcano that Elijah. Which side note? I like that they actually they shot on an actual volcano. Oh, yeah. that They weren't like, oh, we're gonna go to a mountain and like maybe make up the dress it as nope. a set. No, they went to an actual volcano. Bomb fields and volcanoes. And Elijah Wood and Sean Aston had to be hooked up to safety wires because the the climb was so steep. Hmm. Yeah, so they're they're struggling. They're making their way up, and then who should appear? But f- Gollum. Clever herbitzels to climb so hard. Good impression. Thank, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I learned how to do Lilo and Stitch because it was my favorite Disney movie, and then I realized that um, Gollum is just chain yeah. smoker version of Stitch. It's not that far off from Stitch. Yeah, exactly. Sam throws hands with Gollum, and it's. That, like, no one's holding back now. Nope. Uh, Sam is getting his head smashed into a rock. Yeah. I, and... it, real quick, I just want to say, I used to be a journalist before um, I was whatever I am now. Um, this isn't my full-time job, full disclosure. <laughs> but I used to be a journalist, and I've written about people getting into fights and, like, injuries many times. Sam and Gollum should both be dead. Oh, the yeah. rocks that they hit each other with and, like, the sword wounds that they have, they should both be dead yeah a hundred percent yeah because at one point sam like slices Gollum yeah in yeah. the stomach with the sword yeah they should both be dead a hundred percent um but. and in this fight frodo is able to sneak off and he goes into the the crack of doom mm. we go back to the battle what's this a, a moth appears floating fluttering in front of gandalf's face <laughs> i love face. the moth so much and Gandalf has like a great, again, like another great Ian McKellen expression. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, I know what's about to happen. And we see the fell beasts and the Nazgul are approaching again. And right as they're about to attack, the f- <laughs> eagles swoop in. <laughs> Just uh, in time. I, I, the eagles. I get that people say they're a Deus Ex Machina, but having yeah. read, having read more of Tolkien, once you get into the sort of Tolkien-ish style, it literally is one of the lesser gods of Tolkien's universe saying, "You know what, men, elves, dwarves, you've proven yourself. Let's take care we'll of business. Come help you out a little yeah. bit, a yeah. little bit of help. And you know what? I'm okay with everything about that." I'm okay with the eagles are coming is one of my favorite lines too. Just. Yes, Pippin. Yeah, Pippin says the eagles are coming. This is a much sadder. Oh, it's such. It's a much more heartbreaking moment in the in the chapter. Yeah, because yeah. Pippin is not with Mary, and it's like as Pippin is, he's like fading out, and he's almost dying, and he hears in the distance voices shouting, "The eagles are here! The eagles are coming!" There's this like paragraph where he's thinking of of Mary and the Shire, and if you listen to the audiobook or at least the version I listened to, it like interspersed the Shire music under this like narration oh. where he's thinking about Mary. What and his version dying are you moments. listening to? It was um the Phil Dragish version. I'll have to check that out. I haven't because I, I was I listened to the Robert Inglis ones because that man's voice puts me to sleep faster than anything. I was gonna say that's yeah no Phil Dragish is the superior audiobook for Lord of the Rings. I am happy to send you a link to it. Please, yeah, I, I'd yes. love to check that out. However, I I will add the disclaimer that um. I got it in a definitely totally legal way. Um, so therefore, there's a couple um, <laughs> moments where like it wasn't edited properly and I'll catch like mistakes. <laughs> you, you were a little Jack Sparrow-ish as you were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, which actually, 
that's talking about that that shot earlier of, or, of Orlando Bloom and Legolas squinting. It almost looks like in, in one of the Pirates movies where he does an impression of Jack Sparrow. Oh, and he does the little... Like, <laughs> yeah, he's like... Mm. So that's the yeah. recent... Pro- yeah, when uh, it's the sea it turtle like. scene. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> Reason's got nothing to do with it, Will. Oh, my God. I love it. Anyway, anyway. Yeah, the eagles swoop in just in time. All right. We go back to Sam and Frodo, and Frodo is standing above the crack of doom and Sam says like what are you waiting for do it and he takes the ring out and it's this is such an icon I'm gonna say this like three more times (laughs) in the next scene but this is such an iconic shot of him Frodo dangling the ring and like the fire and lightning is like flashing on his face beautifully shot beautifully shot and you see so many things crossing his mind and you see the slow turn where he he eventually turns around and says like he's like you know what i changed my mind i don't think i'm gonna destroy this thing at all and and that's kind of the thing that i think a lot of people fail to realize is that when gandalf is like okay i guess the hobbits are a little bit stronger than than elves or men or dwarves when it comes to this thing i guess we just better see if we can get the ring to rivendell at the very least and then when frodo says he'll take it gandalf's like yeah okay great what i think a lot of people fail to realize is that gandalf's plan was just like well men are useless in this elves are useless but hobbits maybe but like no, he, the, like the, he didn't know if Frodo was going to be able to do it. He like had Gandalf not fallen in Moria to the Balrog, and like if Gandalf had gone with him to the Crack of Doom, I think Gandalf's plan was just like, all right, we're at the Crack of Doom. I don't know if I'm going to have to like push this Hobbit over if he's going to give it yeah. up willingly. Like, there's yeah. a whole lot of what if scenarios that could be in fan fiction, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just I there's we're not going to get any more. Tolkien books so alternate universes are all we have I know really truthfully yeah in the moment before Frodo like turns around and is like no it's mine I was just like screaming like Sam walk over to him and because there are tons of moments earlier in the movie or, or in the other movies where you see Sam like hold Frodo's hand or like stop him from using the ring or something there's a lot of moments where Sam interferes with the ring's like corruption on Frodo and I'm just like screaming and I'm like Sam just go over and like hold his hand or like stop him or like rip it out of his hand and throw it over like do whatever and this will bring us um to what you have now like taken off with on TikTok which is Yeet Isildur oh no (laughs) which is my thing I also posed this question I think when um whenever who like five years ago I remember you you telling me that and I again I'm so Sorry, I didn't even know you made oh, that video. No, but. no, no, no. Um, no, no, no. The uh, but like it's a. It, I've just push him over. Just push him over. Like just, just push. It's so anyway. So okay. So for people who don't follow Dot on 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 TikTok, he has he like posed the question of like, would you push your friend over? To destroy the most evil ring in all of humanity. And I'm like, yes, like, yeah, just push. Why didn't Elrond push Isildur over when he had the chance? And I think I think also that's what Elrond regrets later, like <laughs> later on when he sees what happens is he realizes what he should have done. 
and doesn't and didn't do anything. I, I'll tell you a very, very weird thing that happened to me the other day. But someone on the internet referred to me not as the obscure Lord of the Rings facts guy, but oh, is that the Yeet Isildur guy? Yeah. And if this is my legacy, I'm like, okay. Yeah. And so now Don has created like a whole line of merch that just says Yeet Isildur, which I like say I pronounce it in my head as Yeet Sildur. <laughs> Some there's a lot of people that do that actually, and I think Yeet there's Sildur. there's a few people that want to get tattoos oh, of it too. <laughs> oh my god, that's wild! Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So I don't. I'm not advocating for Sam to push Frodo over here, no, but like, no, no, no. Again, it's definitely like paralleling. You know? Yeah. What oh, happened, absolutely, absolutely. You know, thousands of years ago. And then we have a very we have another classic um, derpy Elijah Wood acting moment where Sam is yelling like no 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 and he's going to put the ring on and I just hate this moment with every like fiber of my being of Frodo like sl- he's like smiling evilly and he goes to put the ring on his finger and it's like weird you know there's like innuendo in there it's too very weird oh yeah oh absolutely now i don't know if you've seen this i watched this scene where they basically took the scene but they sped it up and frodo does uh the putting the ring on really fast when you watch it again sort of out of out of context it's like oh that happened so suddenly oh no but the slow part when you watch it i get that it's trying to build dramatic tension but having watched it a hundred times it's like I'm a little uncomfortable with this yeah. now, but it's a choice. They made it. Um, it's I'll live with it's it. It's a choice for sure. Yeah. Yes, that's a. I keep. I've. I've also said that phrase a lot. Like <laughs> it was a choice. You. You chose something, and it was. It was the wrong choice. As, I, think. I, I don't know if if any of your uh, listeners are Dungeons and Dragons fans, but there's a great Dungeons and Dragons uh, show called Critical Role, where a bunch of voice actors uh, play, and the the dungeon master who basically runs the game. Whenever a player tries to do something, the dungeon master goes, "Well, you can certainly try." <laughs> you can certainly try and do that thing. I don't know if it's going to work. We'll see what happens. So so my, my thought on that is, well, you can certainly try that decision. You certainly made that choice. But is it going to work? Is that what you, is is that that re- what you really want to go with, Elijah Wood? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, he put he puts the ring on and you're just kind of like left with this huge moment of frustration of like, you had one job, Frodo. It was throw the ring into the fires of Mount Doom and you didn't do that one thing. You had one job. I think we, we keep cutting back to, oh, I do want to mention when they cut back to the battle at the Black Gates and we see, you know, the troll attacking Aragorn, the way that they keep cutting back to Legolas reacting to Aragorn, <laughs> it makes it look like they're lovers. It makes it look like it was supposed to be, because I know they were, uh, Arwen was originally supposed to be at Helm's Deep. Yeah. So it makes it look like this was supposed to be Arwen reacting to him, like nearly getting killed. <laughs> I almost wonder if they they had the thought of having Arwen at the Black Gate in like one of the earlier, I know that because they wrote most of these simultaneously. So I often wonder like that shot might be there as like a replacement for Arwen. Yeah. And Gollum, the, oh, the shot, the, it's so creepy. The shot where Sam is like looking around for Frodo. Yeah, and he just appears. And Gollum like sneaks up behind. Oh, it's so creepy and scary. Knocks him out and Gollum jumps on top of Frodo and bites his finger off and so this was something that this was a detail that when i was reading the chapter i totally missed 
And I didn't realize at the time what had happened until like Gollum had fallen over and he had the ring. And it, actually, no, it wasn't until I was reading. I was reading a spark note summary of the chapter to make sure that I didn't miss anything because turns out I had missed something. <laughs> and it was that Gollum had bitten Frodo's ring of uh, Frodo's finger off. Yeah, it's kind of like, gross. The crunch of it, and then the the like stubby, bloody hand. It's gross. Yeah, no, it's kind of it's kind of one of those things that I'm I'm thankful that Peter Jackson was a horror movie director before this, so he could capture the spirit of like the evil of Tolkien's universe. But some of the things are like, oh, you're a horror movie director before this, and like that's your wheelhouse. So yeah, I, I get it. I don't like it, but I get it. I get it. Yeah. I do appreciate because originally in the book, Gollum just holds the finger with the ring on it. So I appreciate that he that in the movie they had him take the yeah, finger. Yeah, because it's gross. <laughs> it's really gross, and you just I love the shot though. I was gonna say we get that iconic shot. We get the shot of the just the camera coming from Gollum's eye through the ring and out, mm. and it just it's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. This is where I like it so much better in the book. That in this moment, in his glee of getting the ring back, Gollum stumbles backwards and falls into the fires and takes himself and the ring out. I like both choices. I I get why Peter Jackson did did what he did. I I respect both choices, though, because in the books, it's very clear that once Gollum has the ring, he's elated, he's jumping around, and oops, he fell. So, but like, that's, that's his own hubris, right? Like, he just, he just fought, like, he's not even paying attention to anything else. Yeah. The fact that there's lava, and he's on this very thin sort of platform, or walkway almost, is so important. But I don't mind that Frodo has that sort of last final, like, you ruined my life i needed that finger yeah um actually i want to read the passage from the book yeah, where yeah. Gollum falls over but Gollum, dancing like a mad thing held aloft the ring a finger still thrust within its circle gross it shone now as if verily it was wrought from living fire precious 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 Gollum cried my precious oh my precious and with that even as his eyes were lifted up to gloat on his prize he stepped too far toppled wavered for a moment on the brink and then with a shriek he fell out of the depths came his last wail precious and he was gone and I just like I personally just like that so much better that like the ring was Gollum's undoing and Gollum was the undoing of the very thing that he coveted yeah and I like that a lot better and that's just yeah yeah but I, I, it's just, you know, it's just, it'll always be one of those things that I just have to get over. <laughs> yeah, so Frodo starts, so in the movie, what happens is Frodo and Gollum fight over the ring one last time, and they both topple over the edge, and you're like, oh no, they're both gone. Gollum, again, iconic shot, he falls into the the lava, and he like catches the ring at the last minute and like hugs it to him, and then as he is sinking into the lava, his hand is outstretched with the ring in his palm. I love that shot so much. And it's the last, and like he sinks into the lava as the ring like sits on top of it for a minute. I, 
Part of me was like, I can't believe Peter Jackson chose to do that. But the dramatic effect of like, oh my God, what if, what if it doesn't fall? Yeah, what? Because, yeah, this was kind of just a theory, yep, we should add. Yep. that Like, they were like, how do we destroy it? And they're like, the only way will be in Mordor, in the cracks of doom. And Did anyone fact of... check that first? Like, are we sure? Yeah, are we sure that this will work? Um, So it would be wild if it just like sat there and it didn't work. We tried, guys. Sorry. Let's, let's go home. Yeah, well. Oops. Yeah, that, that's it for us. Frodo remains dangling over the edge and Sam reaches down for him. And this was when I was so when I watched the movie for the first time, I was watching it with a friend and she was like, I'm sorry, I don't care. She's like, if you were hanging over a cliff and the only way I could save you was by pulling you up with your bloody stubby hand, I wouldn't. And I'm like, I don't blame you. No, it's gross. It's gross. I, it's so gross. Yeah, because Frodo reaches up and you see his missing bloody ugh, it's gross. Yeah. No, it's it's a little little gross. And Sam, much like Rose in the Titanic, says, Don't let go. <laughs> um Sam's like, Don't you let go, Mr. Frodo. Um Reach. And grabs him and pulls him up and saves him. This is as the ring has finally been engulfed and bubbled down into the into the lava. Finally. And we see the immediate reaction and back at the Black Gates, um, all of the like orcs and trolls or whatever start fleeing and everyone turns. This is just such a great moment. Everyone turns and looks towards Mount Doom and towards uh, the Eye of Sauron. There's this moment, this like look of triumph. And they're like, oh, my God, this ha- they did it. It happened. We did it. It's over. And um and either Mary or Pippin, one of them says, like, Frodo! That's Mary. Like, yeah. I watched it again at four o'clock in the morning just because I had insomnia. <laughs> I was like, I should probably just rewatch it to be better refreshed. Yeah. So, and yeah. then we see, we see a couple of seconds later, we see Pippin on the ground sobbing because, like, yeah, all of Mordor explodes. Then, yeah, because then they see Mount Doom exploding. And that's when they're like, oh, they're dead. There's no way they survived that. Yeah. And just seeing that change of expression across all of them of going from like, oh, my God, they did it. It's over to, oh, my God, our friends are dead. Yep. Is, is just terrible. Heartbreaking, Heartbreaking stuff. Yeah. We see the Eye of Sauron and the Tower of Barad-dur collapsing and breaking. They had to be really careful with how they did this because this was a couple years after 9-11. And so they were very careful and deliberate with how the tower was destroyed. Yeah. So they had it disintegrate from the ground up and the sound it made was from breaking glass so that it wouldn't look or sound like it was exploding. Oh, I don't think I realized that. Yeah. Huh. So I think that's really, and I, I also think that's that's really smart of them to make that decision because this was 2003. In 2002, they had a movie come out called Two Towers. Oh, gosh. Yes, yeah. Right. <laughs> Terrible. Which, like, granted, you know, that's what the name of the book was right. from 50 years right. ago. So they couldn't help that. Forgot about that. Yeah. So, like, not not great timing. So I do, you know, I like that they, they took the care, especially given that, like, these were this was made in New Zealand. These were New Zealand people. You know, they're not from America. Yeah. They're not from the U.S. But um, knowing that, like, this terrible tragedy had taken place a couple years before, which, you know, like, at the time was just unheard of. Whereas nowadays we're, you know, like two weeks past an attempted coup and we're just like, yeah. So um, anyway, how yeah. about that wood that woodchuck revolution happening on TikTok? Like, it's. 
I, I will say as a as a former journalist, this last year's news cycle, 2020, is every day is just a new ridiculous thing. Wild. Which is why yeah. I uh, love the escapism of the Lord of the Rings. Yep, it's great. Yeah, we've all needed it. We we, we all need it. Yeah. And I, although I think the, the scene where Frodo and Sam are running out from the lava and jumping onto the rocks is like the ultimate summation of 2020 if we need to transition into the next part. Yes. Like it's finished. It's gone. It's done. Like that was my motto. I was going to say, uh, that's how I spent my New Year's Eve because I was alone and obviously we're still in a pandemic so I didn't have any friends over. I didn't go hang yep. out with any friends. And I was by myself and I drank and I started Return of the King at just the right moment so that at midnight, I would have Frodo saying, it's over. Oh, that's and awesome. It was fantastic. <laughs> it was uh, it was perfect. Oh, that is um, great. Yeah, I it was great. That. They run out and Frodo stands up and says, it's gone. It's done. And Sam says, yes, Mr. Frodo, it's over now. Frodo, they like collapse down and kind of get to a rock where they're out of danger for the time being, but they both know they're going to die. And Sam or Frodo finally says, I can see the Shire. And one of my favorite lines. And Gandalf's fireworks. Yeah. And the lights in the party tree. It's back. I can finally, I can finally see it. And Sam says, I, just in case you're worried, like, are they gay? Are they lovers? He reminds us that he had a crush on this woman yeah. named Rosie Cotton. Yeah. How long were you queer baited in this trilogy as a as a young adult watching this? Yeah, yeah. And he remembers Rosie Cotton and says, if there was ever a woman I was going to marry, it would have been her. Yeah. Which, as random as this moment is, it is still less random than what happens in the book, which is that there is zero mention of Rosie Cotton until they all go back to the Shire. Literally... <laughs> The first woman that Sam sees when they return to the Shire is Rosie Cotton. And Tolkien was like, all right, they're going to get married Yep, now. yep. Love at first sight-ish. But also, they're going to move into Frodo's house. Yeah, so many people don't know that. As soon as Frodo leaves, Frodo's like, yeah, just take the house. You've got 13 kids. No, they well. live together before oh, he leaves right, for the Undying Lands, That's too. right, they do move in together. And they were roommates. <laughs> oh my god, oh my god, they were roommates. Um. Anyway, yes, yeah, so so they're they're thinking of the Shire and Rosie Cotton, and they lean together, and, and Frodo says, I'm glad you're here with me, Sam, at the end of all things. Ugh, my and heart. we get a fade to black, a fade out. And we're like, oh, I guess that's the end of the movie. I guess Frodo and Sam die. That's so sad. But at least the ring was destroyed. So that's nice. Okay. That was a good ending. All right. Um, time to stand. Oh, wait. No, no. Oh, we're back. Oh, uh-oh. We're back. Okay. All right. We're back. And we we see Gandalf fly in with the eagles. And they swoop up and pick up Frodo and Sam. Then we get a fade to white. And that is where we're going to end this week's episode. Oh, love it. Thank you so yeah, much yeah, for having yeah. me. This is a blast. Thank you for coming of on. Of course. Uh, getting a chance to talk about the Lord of the Rings. How could I not? Where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, so I am Don Marshall 72 on both TikTok and Twitch. Those are really the two social media platforms that I uh, I have. I did make uh, screen names for uh, Twitter and Instagram, but I never use them. I just want to make sure that nobody pretends to be me in the interim. So you can follow <laughs> me there, but I'll never, I'll never post anything for a while. Um, 
But yeah, Twitch and um, TikTok, Don Marshall seventy two for more obscure Lord of the Rings facts and Yeet Isildur content. Yeet Isildur, <laughs> which I am, I am of the team that the the mindset that he should have yeeted him a hundred percent. You should've are very him. much not alone. I think I can finally <laughs> reveal this. the The poll that I did on that one video asking people if they would have thrown Isildur into the lava. The uh, final poll count was something like twenty five thousand to six thousand. Oh, that's so funny. That's so funny. What up, Tolks? I know that there's a good chance you might skip through the credits, but I highly recommend not doing that this week or any week, really, but especially this week because there's a lot of exciting things I'm saying right now. So please stay tuned, especially because I need your help with something. That's what I'm talking about as a proud member of WBE. You can learn more about the network by going to WBE.org. This week, I'm excited to share that one of the podcasts that will be joining the network is Unsobered. Unsobered is hosted by Julia Ken who is already an awesome member of our WBE community. And it is a drunken dive into the badass women of history. So if you're like me and you're constantly frustrated by the lack of female characters in Tolkien's world, then you're going to love this podcast. Hi, I'm Julia, the host of Unsobered, Badass Women of History and Literature, the podcast where I talk about the women that the history books, history classes, and the general public often overlook or who just get a brief mention, but we never really know the whole story of their impact on the world we live in. On Unsobered, I share the stories and histories of these badass, amazing, and strong women. And while I tell you the history we don't get from traditional history classes, I get more and more drunk over the course of the episode. So join me to learn more about your favorite women or to find a new favorite woman that you didn't even know contributed to one of your favorite things with new episodes every other Friday. The cover art is by Graphite, a.k.a. Vaishon Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TolkienAboutPod, and you can also join the Facebook group, which is linked in the description. You can find me on Twitter at MCWatsUp and Instagram at MCTurnDownForWhat. If you want to support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash TolkienAboutPod, where you will find different tiers and perks, and one of those tiers is being a sponsor like Mayor. Mayor, thank you for your continued support of That's What I'm Talking About here at the end of all things. Listeners... Start counting up the amount of times that I'm going to say here at the end of all things. Next week is the last episode of Return of the King. Theatrical edition, that is, because the week after that, I will be covering extended edition. Next week starts at two hours, 50 minutes and 56 seconds and goes all the way to the actual end, not one of the fake out endings. So it picks up with Frodo waking up after destroying the ring and it goes to the end with Sam going back to Rosie. Now I mentioned earlier that I need your help with something. As you are listening to this, I'm actually getting ready to start reading The Hobbit, which is very exciting. If you're a newer listener, you might not know that I do Q&A bonus episodes when I'm shifting from one subject material to the other. So that means that I need you guys to submit your questions to me for a post Lord of the Rings movies in a pre-Hobbit book Q&A. These could be questions like, what was your favorite scene? Who was your favorite actor? What do you wish they had kept in from the book? Things like that. As well as questions about my expectations and predictions for The Hobbit. Because guys, we are back at square one with The Hobbit. Remember how I started this podcast and I knew absolutely nothing about Lord of the Rings? Well, we're back to that, except this time it's The Hobbit. I have 
no clue what happens in The Hobbit other than Bilbo goes on an adventure of some kind and eventually he steals a ring from Gollum. That does not go well many years in the future, but that's another story. So ask me your questions like, what characters do you think we're going to see? What do you think happens in The Hobbit? Where do you think they go? And you can share your questions with me via social media at TolkienAboutPod, or you can submit your question to TolkienAboutPod at gmail.com. So all that being said, do you have any parting words for the audience? I would say that if you love the movies, give the books a chance if you haven't read them. And if you are interested in reading more about Tolkien's universe, I will recommend it to anyone. The Silmarillion is like the next step in all of this. It explains everything in the first and second age. And uh, oh, here's another thing. Read the appendices. When most people read the books, they're like, I don't need everything else. That's just a little bunch of bullet points. But no, the appendices are absolutely worth it. I feel like you're coming directly for me because I did not read the appendices. Oh, no. Which is totally. Oh, no. I was like, I had a bunch of requests. I had people saying like, oh, are you going to are you going to do episodes on the appendices? And I was like, guys, it's not going to be interesting podcasting content for me to read out the family tree of of Aragorn. It's not going to be fun podcasting content for me to read out um, the vowels of <laughs> Tolkien's language, which is literally content of the appendices. It is. It is but indeed. But I didn't I did not read them in full because oh, I was no. warned. I was warned that Aragorn and Arwen's story gets a little bit sadder than like what is actually like oh, like yeah. whatever hap the the things that happens to them in the story is isn't fun, but then apparently it gets worse in the appendices. Oh, and it I'm does. like, I don't wanna know. Yeah. And and for those that wanna live in blissful ignorance, go right ahead. And that's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm.